millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan. And here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. An Australian principal's letter politely telling rude, demanding and precious parents to, well, pull their head in, has received a huge response. John Collier is the head of St Andrew's Cathedral School in Sydney, which caters for four-year-olds to 18-year-olds. He's been a principal for 28 years and has probably heard and seen it all during his career. In a recent principal's letter, Dr Collier addressed some troubling and anxious parent behaviour that he and his teachers have noticed on the rise. There's a link to the full letter on our webpage. How should parents act when their child has a problem at school? The content of the letter struck a chord with many, and I imagine opinions are running both ways. From Sydney, we welcome John Collier. Hi. Hello. You were fairly direct in your message to parents. Could you sum up for us what you'd seen that you wanted to deliver a very clear message about? Yes, what I've seen is a growing level of anxiety which fuels aggression. And I really should point out this is from a very small minority of our parents. Here at St Andrews Cathedral School in Sydney, most of our parents are delightful. The reason I went into print is the level of vitriolic behaviour from the few was worsening and the numbers were growing a little as others adopted this kind of behaviour and so I thought it was important to just articulate to the school community that this is not acceptable and this has to stop. You diagnose some of what you think's going on and we'll get to that in a moment but what are we talking about with, with extreme behaviour? What kinds of things? We're mostly talking about parents shouting at staff as their opening ambit and this could be and indeed has been in parent-teacher interviews face-to-face, in problem resolution meetings, uh, over the phone and that form of shouting that comes across uh, in emails sometimes when people are too strident or when the text is all capitalised with exclamation marks and it really is a verbal onslaught. And what it does is it makes discussion very difficult because it's moved from the level of what's reasonable into a tirade. And the tirade doesn't brook any contrary opinion. Uh, It's presented as the facts of the matter. How would you characterise, I don't know, the the, the school, the parents? are Are we talking middle-class helicopter parents here? Um, are we talking about um, you know, people who are in distress situations possibly and just losing their rag? How would you characterise what you see going on? I think I'm speaking uh, about schooling in general and society in general. And the irony is that the situation in my own school is probably far better than in most other places. 
And I suppose it's the confidence of having 28 years' experience that has enabled me to speak up, whereas others might have been more timid about doing so. The causes I see are multiple and varied. I think there is an increasing level of anxiety in society as people seem more and more pressured by the frenetic pace of life. I think as families are tending to be smaller and sometimes with just one child, so much is invested in the success of this child. And I also think that some of the models, uh, by which I mean politicians, sports people and celebrities, are seen to behave so badly and so aggressively uh, by depiction in the media that others have regarded this as now normalised and that's how they behave. So in my own case, uh, parents are uh, generally fairly affluent um, and so there is sometimes a sense that as they're paying high fees, there's an entitlement here to dictate. But I say again that in my own situation, the problem is very minor because it's a tiny minority of parents who cause concern. Most are delightful. It sounds to me, as we said, that we're not talking about maybe extreme financial pressures or family pressures or personal pressures and someone losing their rag. You're telling me these are people who are actually doing fairly affluent or doing very well in life, and it's their attitude that's at the heart of this. It is an attitudinal matter, and my proposition is we don't get anywhere with this level of discourse. We need civility if we're going to resolve problems. We need a respectful interchange from both sides, or we simply put up the shutters and get nowhere. Tell me the sorts of things that prompt this, because someone else might be listening and thinking, you know, maybe parents are genuinely worried about a particular teacher or a particular education or a kid being bullied or this not being done or that being done. But in your letter, you give two or three examples of things that... Um, possibly fall short, um, fall short of, of what might be uh, reasonable concerns. What sorts of things are people going to town over? A minor disciplinary infraction where the parents debate whether the issue actually occurred irrespective of how many witnesses there may have been who said it did. Uh, that's one kind of situation. Another is where a child uh, does poorly, has the parents see it in a test or aggregated uh, across a number of assessment tasks or um, internal examinations. Another one is where the parents don't like the homework that's been set. Well, let me quote you from your letter. Um, or I might get you to pick up the story. A couple of years ago, a middle school parent said to me that he knew the 13 staff members who had observed his daughter committing an offence were all lying as his daughter said she was innocent. That actually happened like that? Yes, and that's an instance of a family retreating in on itself uh, and adopting a siege mentality where the parent sees uh, his or her role as defending the child come what may. And that's unhelpful, and it teaches the child the lesson that they have a carte blanche, they have total liberty to do whatever they like, and they will be backed by the parent. And that's not the kind of message that is useful or helpful for emerging adults because when they enter society, it won't be like that and in the workplace, they'll be made accountable. How serious was the events, may I ask? How serious? Um, 
it was uh, a booming type situation, uh, which in itself uh, was not something that was worthy of this level of anxiety. And that's one of my other points to parents. It's not worth burning bridges and destroying relationships with teachers over an incident which in itself is very minor. Um, it's best to build capital with people by having ongoing discussion and build relationship because schools are very relational and at best schools are good partnerships between teachers and parents which by definition are relational and the, the student will prosper best if the school and the home can agree or at least can agree to work together. Well 13 witnesses you're citing here, do you believe in his heart of hearts the parent believed the child or was this just the knee-jerk reaction to the way of managing the situation? I think the latter. And we see more and more knee-jerk reactions these days because children have mobile phones and although they're not allowed to use them or have them within the school precinct, um, they find ways to contact their parents fairly immediately and say, I've been disciplined for such and such and I didn't do it or it was somebody else's fault. And so a parent also with a mobile phone in the heat of anger wades in. And this is a fairly recent phenomenon in education. Uh, in days gone by, there would be a considerable delay by the time the parent found out. And so there'd be less heat in the matter and less immediacy in the response. And often people will be defensively irrational in the heat of the moment, but given a day or two, have calmed down and can actually entertain a reasonable discussion. So the advent of electronic media um, really brings things to fever pitch quite quickly. So when you talk, and we'll talk later about how far you've gone in saying you're going to act if this keeps up with some parents and some teachers, is it often a text or an email or phone call that's nearly immediate that is part of the, what, what happens? Yes, uh, the immediate responses are the most toxic in the sense of vitriolic because people are flying off the handle in the heat of the moment. And I suspect, and this is why I've used the word reptilian in the newsletter, that sometimes parents' natural um, protection of their child uh, is aroused and they will fly into the situation, um, helicopter in, as you mentioned earlier, to try to support and save the child when a more uh, helpful response might be a more measured response, which is instead of going on to the accusatory front foot to say something like, my child says this is what happened, is that how you see it? Or another reasonable opening remark, I think we could have a problem here, can you please help sort it out? And those kinds of responses, I suggest, will always, will almost always elicit a cooperative response which can move towards some kind of clarification and resolution. You're talking about red mist, the red, the red rag immediate yes, yes. response. All right, here's, yes. another, here's another one from your letter. Recently a middle school parent said to me that as her daughter had done poorly in her test, her life was actually over. Actually, it wasn't. <laughs> There's some hyperbole there. Um, are you tolerant of the fact that, that, that hyperbole exists or was there more to what she said in, in her reaction than, than just that comment? Because the subject was mathematics and people become very stressed about what they see as the core subjects, 
the parent really thought that this was a total and comprehensive catastrophe, that this year seven child had a bad test result and that this was uh, the beginning of the inevitable decline down the Gurkha academically, that it was all over and lost. And my point, of course, is high school's a journey. There are many assessment tasks, there are many tests. It's very possible to retrieve oneself from one poor mark in year seven. There's five and a half years to go. And if you become so stressed by a single test result, by the end of year 12, you'll be a nervous wreck, and that won't help your child. So invest in the child and take the long view. That was my counsel. You make the point that often the level of angst comes in the early stages of middle school and with the oldest child in the family. And you talk about how there's a transition, that high school's different from junior school. I, I would really like to hear from you on this because whatever system you're in, whether you've got kids here in New Zealand who may be transitioning from a, uh, a primary school to a high school or transitioning from an intermediate school to a high school, it is different and there can be justifiable reasons for wanting to make sure that things that need to be understood about your kid um, are understood and for having some kind of explanation about the way things are going to work. Because it's an important transition. Tell me how it can happen well and tell me where the limits of expectations can be when you're comparing the high school system to where the children are coming from. I entirely agree with what you just said about those possible hurdles and about the legitimate need of parents to know and to know those particular matters have been looked after. Um, these days, p parents are very involved in Australia in education and no doubt that's the case in New Zealand and that's a good thing. We want parents involved. They are, after all, the parents of those children. And it can happen well when there is comprehensive interaction between the junior school or the primary school and the high school so that there's a proper passing on of profile information about the child. It works best when high school teachers know about the child on the child's arrival in high school so that they can actually make arrangements which particularise that child where there is a problem is in parents failing to perceive the difference between high school and junior or primary school. And by that I mean in primary school, teachers have got a, students have got essentially one teacher who might have, in our case, 18 to 22 students in the class. And that teacher can invest entirely in those children and can be highly communicative to the parents. Then child arrives in the New South Wales system in high school in year seven where there are 12 teachers and where each of those teachers will have multiple classes and depending on whether it's a subject which has a lot of teaching lessons or a subject which has few, that teacher may have anywhere between let's say 120 and 250 students. So it's simply not possible for the teacher to individualise the attention and the communication at the same level as a solo teacher in Year 6 with 18 to 22 students can do. And that is often where the problem arises because parents have not made the mental adjustment or accepted that, that there is a difference and are demanding the level of uh, attention and communication 
that a teacher with 18 to 22 students can do from a teacher who's got 120 to 240 students and might be tied up with very extensive preparation and marking also for senior matriculation classes such as Year 12. That's where the problem comes. You say no high school pretends to be a tutoring service, but is there something in the middle? Again, these that's a critical transition, and for some students in particular, I mean, there has been a shift towards more individualised learning, and I don't mean that by every delicate flower, having things personally, you know, designed for them, but there's an understanding that kids learn differently. There's an understanding that kids kids can often bring uh, learning disabilities or issues with them that, if managed well, do not inhibit their education, but if not managed well, will. So high schools, even though they're bigger and different, are they adapting? Is yours adapting in a way that does allow for that for some students? Yes, we must, uh, for the reasons that you say. And so we have specialised gifted and talented and uh, support for learning difficulties staff, English as a second language staff, um, Indigenous aides. Um, We must personalise as far as we possibly can. And we deal with the issues of individualisation largely through what we describe as differentiating the curriculum, um, technical language, which, which means that the curriculum must be modified by the teacher to give appropriate challenge to every student, whether they be gifted or whether they have specific learning difficulties or whether they fall more in the middle, which can sometimes be ignored. And so the question becomes how much the teacher can do given multiple responsibilities and it becomes a matter of good communication to parents. And all schools aim at that. No school ever communicates as much as parents would like, but it's important to try to get that right. You've gone so far to say in the case of this minority of parents whose behaviour is beyond the pale as far as yours concerned, that under workplace health and safety legislation, responsibility for a safe workplace for staff, you're on the verge of going as far as to say, don't answer your phone calls or emails, and if necessary even, you'd go so far as to assert your authority under the Enclosed Lands Act to ban someone from entering the premises. There have been some who are that bad that you'd go that far? I've done it in two previous principalships. Uh, where uh, some parents got to the point where it was not safe uh, for the staff to have them on the grounds. Um, I've not uh, had to take that step here, um, but under New South Wales legislation, principals have the authority to do that. And also under Australian legislation, I have a duty of care to staff under workplace health and safety legislation to create safe environment for them. So this is an ultimate step. It's not something that is done except as a last resort. What's been the response to the letter? As we said, listeners, it's unfollow if you want to read Dr Colley's letter. What's been the response as it's got mileage on social media and as as it's got round the the school and the parents? What sort of reaction have you had? The response has been enormous. I had no idea I was writing to anybody beyond my own school community and I was simply astonished when the media picked this issue up after a month I have a whole document file full of supportive responses from my own parents, which has been very encouraging and affirming, and also a vast array of responses from the outside community, from other principals, teachers in other schools, 
from people in uh, retail and health who say the issues are the same for them. And so I assume that what I've done inadvertently is I've just touched a chord in society about the, the, about the decreasing civility of public discourse. And it seems to be an issue across the Western world because the media have picked it up in England, in France, in Brazil, and that's come back to me through those quarters. So it seems to resonate. Thank you, John Collier, the head of St Andrew's Cathedral School in Sydney. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 